Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalat, Wassalam, Rasulullah, Wa ala alihi wasabi ajma'in, Asyadu la ilaha illallah, Wahdahu la shirikallah, Wa asyadu an muhammadin abduhu wa rasul ma'bad. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. <coughs> you can do better than that. You know that. But I'm going to let the ladies have a chance to show you how to do it. Show them how to do it. Assalamualaikum. See? See? Assalamualaikum. We'll move on on that one. Alhamdulillah. Today we're broadcasting almost live all the way from my home state of Virginia where I live now. And we're in the very edge of Alexandria and Falls Church near my house. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I actually just got through with the 1,200-mile journey so I could come home. <laughs> I haven't been home yet. We got right off the plane and came straight here from Indiana. Prior to that, a few days ago, we were up in New York for the memorial or celebration or whatever they call it. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of everything. Sometimes we get frustrated. What happened was our website went down on September 11th. Some of you know our old website, Islam Today. It got wiped out a few years ago when we started talking about priests and preachers coming to Islam. And now we put some real heavy hitting stuff on there and it went down again on another server. Alhamdulillah, Allah is the one who gives us success. What they didn't know is we have another website coming up right behind it called Islam Tomorrow. So that's the title of our program tonight. I decided that to match the new website because I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about being a Muslim and I'm excited about being a Muslim here in America tomorrow. And this is a very fitting occasion for us to talk about that because basically we're going to work together tonight to complete a project that we've been working on for a long time. And that's the project of having our masjid. And I'm really excited about this. Because I can remember in the first days when we talked about, let's, let's build a masjid. And so, alhamdulillah, here, here it is. I mean, you know, it's happening. It's very exciting. Sometimes people will ask you, well, what do you think about the future of Islam and Muslims in America? Has anybody asked you that? Have you thought about it? Because, in fact, that's something that's important to all of us. Because we're Muslims and we're in America. Alhamdulillah. One of the things that, that comes to me right away is to realize how much the Muslims have been affected by the events that took place over a year ago. Some negative, some positive. Negative we get some pretty rotten treatment because they notice this more. Positive, because more people come to Islam because they notice us more. We weren't doing the job. Okay? That's the real problem. Allah is the one who causes things to happen. Keep that in mind. And if we don't do the job the way we're supposed to, Allah tells us He can replace us with the people who will. Is that true or false? Well, and so you can look at it like this. You should be real happy that He didn't replace you 
he gave you another chance. And that's tomorrow. That's coming up. So that's what we're working toward. One of the things I want to tell you about is that prior to the events that took place on September 11th a year ago, Islam was the fastest growing religion in the world. When I visited the Netherlands, I found thousands of people coming to Islam over there. We gave Shahada to quite a few ourselves. When I visited the Dutch Antilles, which is down near South America, 135 people in one night came into Islam. And by the way, it's on videotape and you can order it from us because we have tapes for this purpose that you can use for your dawah. There's no cost for them. That's not the purpose. But this new one is called Discovering Islam. So if you want that one, I'll let you know. By the way, I stick my commercials right in there. I have absolutely no shyness about it whatsoever. I already advertised my website in one of my <laughs> videos. Now, I guess I'll just go ahead and mention there's a CD out there, too, that said, What is Islam? What happened when we started using these CDs, the videos, and cassette tapes, the, the websites, since September 11th, what do you think happened? More people are coming into Islam now than they were before. More people now entering Islam all over the world than they were before. When do you think the first person on record entered Islam? After the events that occurred on the morning of September 11th in 2001. First person on record that I know of. If you know anybody sooner than that, let me know. <coughs> because it happened, it happened the same day in the same city, in the mosque closest to Ground Zero. Yeah. Called Warren Street. A Caucasian American man walked in at 6.30. And he said, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I want to stop putting it off. I'm ready to make one shot. Same day. This may seem strange to you, but you have to stop and remember. Hidayah, or guidance, it's from Allah. And he guides who he wills, where he wills, and when he wills. So it's happening. What we have to be ready for, though, is what's going to happen next? What about tomorrow? And think about it. I have another tape. I'm, I'm really out there with the tapes. Huh? <laughs> I have another one called, What If They All Become Muslim? And this is a pet peeve of mine for 11 years. And I went to the imam back in Arlington, Texas, when I made shahada one day, and I just asked him, are you really ready for people to come to Islam? He said, yeah. I said, you'd like to see everybody become Muslim? He said, yeah. I said, are you ready? He said, what do you mean? Of course I'm ready. I said, there's about a quarter of a million people who live here in this part of Texas, in that immediate area, just in that city. I said, what if 10% of them became Muslim tomorrow? What would you do? You'd have 28 5,000 people standing on your doorstep. You don't have parking for that many people. 
What if 1%, 2,500 people, you don't have parking for that either? How about one-tenth of one percent, 250 people standing there tomorrow ready to make shot? What would you do? How about one-hundredth of one percent, 25 people standing there tomorrow morning ready to make shahada? What would you do? Are you ready for 25 families? How about ten? How about five? How about one? How about one over 250,000 and I don't even know what you call that fraction, but it's a teeny one anyway. Because the man comes to you and he says, you know, I've been reading about Islam. I heard it on the radio. I heard it on TV. A lot of negative. But then I started checking out some websites, different things I heard about. Somebody gave me a tape and a taxi. And you know what? I'm ready for Islam. I want to be a Muslim. Is there anything I need to do? He'll say, yes. Say, Ashhadu wa ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadin abdu. I'm running out of gas. <coughs> That'll work. No. He said, is there anything else? That's about it. Oh, here's a Quran. Take that with you. Anything else? Nah. Well, I got to get back to work. Oh, where do you work? I drive a beer truck. A beer truck? Oh, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It doesn't work. What do you mean? I'm a good driver. I, I wait. can't drive a beer truck. Why? I don't drink it. I hate beer. But I like money. And they pay me. In fact, I retire in six months. Six months. I've been really counting on this retirement all my life. I'm going to retire now. He said, brother, you have to quit your job. Huh? If I quit, I'm going to lose everything. Retirement, everything is out. And I'm too old to go start something else. Well, brother, that's haram, haram. Are you serious? Yeah. Mm. Wow, man, this is going to be tough. I have to get by on what my wife makes. Oh, what's your wife do? She don't drive a beer truck. What does she do? She just teaches piano at the church. Oh, haram, haram. Music, haram, haram. You tell me my wife got to quit her job too? Yeah. Okay, that's great. How in the world are we going to pay these high mortgage payments? Mortgage? Haram, haram. Well, the next thing you're going to tell me that I can't even have credit cards. Haram, haram. Are you sure it's haram? Hey, look, I'll show you the verse. There's the ayah right there. It's in Surah Baqarah. Look. <gasps> Allah declares war on these people. Oh my God, I don't want to be at war. I just got in this religion already. God's mad at me. He hadn't even learned how to pray yet, right? And you got him out here putting his house on the market, turning his cars in, throwing his credit cards in the trash. And his wife's scratching her head going, what happened? This must be some kind of like midlife crisis he's going through. And then who will teach him? Because in the same masjid, and I'm not going to say where, that's not fair. It could happen any place. We go there and it's locked. There's nobody there. You go there for salat. It's locked. You can't get in. So I prayed in front of the door of the masjid. 
The business I was in was music. I did give it, alhamdulillah. But it wasn't easy. There was like no bridge. There was nowhere to go. And you're by yourself, because guess what? The other thing that I do is preach Christianity. Of course, it didn't sound very good when I started telling them Jesus is not the Son of God. It wasn't much fun for them to realize they're going to be accountable for their own sins. In fact, some of them got pretty mad at me. Some of them, one of my ex-friends, used to walk around carrying a big cross on the streets. He used to carry this big cross so people would stop and talk to him about Jesus. I'll never forget what he and his wife told me. He said, you got a demon! You got a demon! The people have a misconception anyway. I was down in uh, near Mexico where I used to preach right after I came into Islam. And I went and saw some families down there to talk to them about Islam. One elderly lady, very nice, wealthy, her and her husband very, had always been supported by what we did. So I figured this would be a good couple to talk to. And she said, as soon as she saw me, she said, Child, what are you doing? What's that beard for? Why do you got those clothes like that? What happened to you? I said, well, I became a Muslim. She said, you can't be a Muslim. You're not from over there. I said, from where? Wherever they come from. By the way, I'm not making this up. This happened. And I'm looking at her like, okay, where do I go from here? So I thought of Bible verses that she'd be familiar with, and I started mentioning to her. We believe God is one, don't we? She said, of course we do. And we believe that God created the heavens and earth, don't we? She said, naturally we do. And don't you know that God put us here in a test? She said, sure. I said, and we worship God alone, right? She said, that's right. With no partner. She said, that's right. I'm hitting on it, you know? And I said, okay. And we should do what he wants us to do on his terms. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a passage out of the Bible. Actually, it's in two places in the New Testament. And she said, that's right, that's right. I said, that's the meaning of Islam. She said, what? I said, you could be a Muslim. She said, child, I told you I'm not from over there. They stay with that mentality. So what is up to us? It's up to us to provide them with the correct information and a place to gather, to learn from qualified teachers what Islam is all about. September 11th last year was a turning point. Nothing will ever be the same again. And I think everybody pretty much understands that. Security is very strong in airports these days. I just went through several of them today. And I'll promise you, if you put a kufi on, you're going to get a special little red S on your boarding pass. And it don't stand for sheikh. It stands for search. Alhamdulillah. But it's all right. Because guess what? Well, the guy's searching me down, I'm making dawah to him. That's right. Carry a CD or a tape, and you give it to him. In the airplane, same thing. Passengers sitting next to me, they're looking at me like, Oh! If I move real fast, they get upset, you know? You look, achoo! Ah! And don't say Allahu Akbar. <laughs> don't do that. But what I'm telling you is that people are going to notice it. 
the ladies are the ones who got the biggest problem. You guys get away with murder. You don't have to wear a kufi. That's not Islam. You don't have to. If you like it, it's good. A lot of you are shaving off your beards. Not so good. But the ladies have to wear a hijab with two eyes in the Quran telling them they got a cover when they go out anyway. So they're the ones on the front line. That's not negative though. You know why? You take all the reward. Because every time somebody sees the lady with this, they go, Whoa, Muslims. And then they watch you and they see how you are. And they notice, well, wait a minute. This is not the picture that we're being taught by the news. I want them to keep on saying the lies. I want them to lie more. I want them to really get heavy on it. You know why? Because in today's paper, we had Jews and Christians defending Muslims. When I was in the airport, I saw several newspapers from several different cities, articles written by people saying, this is too much. That event that took place in Florida, where they took the three boys and held them for 17 hours, for what? For being medical students and stopped at a Howard Johnson's to eat. And some lady lost it and come up with a story. I have no problem believing that because it happened to me. I was on my way to New York and took my daughter up there during the summer for a special Muslim summer camp for kids. We got in the plane and we're sitting there. Went through all the security and I mean we went through it. There's no part of my shoes that they don't know about. They're ready to close the door and I have a little camera that I carry to take pictures for the internet. And I snapped a picture. The attendant went by and she looked at me and said, what's that? Because it does look different. It's a brand new Nikon. Now I'm not going to do any ads for Nikon. But she said, well, what are you going to do with it? I said, well, I took a picture. Of what? I said, that airplane over there. Why? She said, well, I think I'll just look at it later. That's all she said. Then she went up. Oh, by the way, I'm telling you something. is absolutely the way it happened. I, went up, I watched it. She went up to the captain. He turned around, come out of the little room, the little, you know, where he rides. Talked to her a minute, and then he went out of the airplane. A few minutes, a couple of guards come in there, and they start asking me questions. What do you have? I said, like what? Do you have a camera? I said, yeah. See? Are you taking pictures? I said, no. I did. It's against the law to take pictures in an airplane. I said, is there any sign that says that? Oh, you're trying to give us a, a hard time. I said, no, I'm asking you a question. I didn't see any sign. He said, we don't have to put a sign up for that. I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. He said, it's against the law. I said, okay, I understand you. I'm not going to take any pictures. Well, how come your tray table's down? I said, because I have a cup of coffee on it. And they didn't close the door yet. And they didn't tell us to put it up. Well, nobody else has their tray table down. I said, yeah, they do. Right over there. Right over there. Right over there. Over here. That's it. You're going. Get out of the plane. Did you see any, any sense at all in what he said? Nothing. You know why? Because his brain's not there anymore. His emotions have taken over. All of them. So what happened? Threw me off the plane. But they told my daughter she could go ahead. Huh. Of course, I had to take her too. As soon as they got off the plane, though, they left. They walked away. 
I demanded to see the supervisor. When the supervisor came, immediately they come with apologies. We're so sorry. Here's a free ticket. I said, two free tickets. He missed those two. Never mind that. Now, let's get back to the subject. Because I want to tell you the main point of telling the whole story is what I left out. One of the things this man, who had a horrible accent, I could not understand half what he said. He said, you're an American now. But he said it with an accent. And I can't even imitate it. I don't know what it was. So I began to tell the supervisor exactly what had happened, word for word. Supervisor said, oh, uh, well, uh, mm, he said that? I said, yeah. I said, but the thing that gets me the most is to tell me I'm in America in a broken accent. And I hollered at the guy and said, hey, where are you from anyway? He said, Guam. I said, are you telling me I'm in America? It's my great-great-grandfathers that came over here and stole this place from the Indians for the British and then turned around and stole it from the British. Don't tell me where I am, okay? Well, they didn't appreciate that I was making a big deal out of it. And I said, no, I'm going to tell you what's the big deal. I know you're going to back off from me because I'm an American citizen. You know that. But if you get one of my brothers and sisters in Islam from some other country, you're going to rake them over the coals, give them a hard time, lock them up for a thousand days, don't tell anybody where they are, play secret evidence with them. Somebody needs to wake you up to what you're doing. SubhanAllah, guess what? They apologized again. I didn't get any more tickets, but... <laughs> I kept saying, you know, like this, you don't know what you're doing. It's like, can take some more bribe here. Anyway, what I'm letting you know is that we have to stand straight on what's true. Because what happens, very frequently, they back way down and say, well, I didn't know, I didn't know. Give them dawah. Tell them about Islam. Give them a tape. Give them a CD. There's plenty of them out there. You can copy them. There's no copyrights. Copy them. Give them out. Give them website addresses where they explain the basic Islam, what we believe. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And yesterday, alhamdulillah, they asked me to speak in Anderson, Indiana. Now, actually I was there for Muncie, and they said we got something in a little town close by, and I didn't know the name of it until we were on the way over there. And when they said Anderson, I said, Anderson, Indiana? They said, yeah. I said, that's the home of the Church of God. There's two churches of God, by the way, in the United States. One is in Tennessee, and the other one's in Indiana. They don't believe the same thing. Two different groups. But that's the one I used to be affiliated, and I'd never been there before. But I was the music minister in one of their churches. So when I get up to give the talk last night, I begin to tell them, by the way, I used to be in your church, and they're going, huh? <laughs> They could really relate to what I was saying. And some of them you could see came in there with the attitude, get those Muslims, you know. But they went out like this. Wow, we didn't know that. And you believe in Jesus. Wow, we didn't know that. And one little girl in a wheelchair came over and talked to us. And it looked like she's pretty close to Shahada herself. Social, she's working on her social degree now. Social sciences. And then last night, we had another one at the hotel. And what I'm saying is, we've got to be ready for tomorrow. How are we going to do it? 
Well, you have to have a base operations, don't you? We can't work out of this place. It's too expensive. You know? It's nice in here, but it's too expensive. What we need is a what? Mustard. And we got it. All we need to do is just do some finishing. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I think everybody knows that. Everybody realizes their responsibility. But I want to jump everybody out and jump in front of everybody tonight to try to get extra thawab, azure, reward from Allah. Especially because this is one of my projects that I love for the sake of Allah and all of you. So what I want to do, I'm going to, in addition to what we're going to hear, we're going to put a box out there for donations for the tapes and stuff. Every dime of it, not a percentage, all of it right off the top is going to go to help this project and the tapes and things that are left over are going to go to the masjid to be able to have something there as soon as you open up you're ready for dawah. Having said all that, I want to remind myself and all of us about a few verses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran that really they're for me. If it's for you too, okay, but for me when Allah tells us, there's a verse said, Be like in a race for what's good. I'm not going to read you the Arabic. The brother's going to take care of that in a few minutes, get into it. But it says, Be fast in a race for forgiveness from your Lord and for a garden whose width is the whole of the heavens and earth prepared for the righteous. Those that spend freely, whether in prosperity or in adversity, Adversity, they restrain from anger and they pardon all men, for God loves those who do good. I want to leave you with two things to think about. People ask us a lot of questions. You can email me or call us or whatever to find out how to handle some of them. They're tough. But I want to give you two of them up front that you should think about. When they start talking about the Muslims and how we treat women and all the rest of it, especially in clothing, the answer on that one is very simple. Very simple. Although we do have proof from the Quran, Allah said it, but for a non-believer, you can't go to the Quran and expect them to buy it. They're not going to go for it. But you can ask them by logic. Why are you wearing any clothes at all? Hmm? Why? Because you were born how? Naked. No clothes. Nothing on. True? So, if you're just going to go by human logic, why waste your money? Huh? Take off your clothes. They go, Ugh! It's too much. I can't believe this guy. I said, you know it, and I know there's something wrong with that idea. So just tell me, answer me, why are you wearing clothes? It happened right over here at the Alexandria Nova College. One of the professors, lady, stuck her head in when I was giving the talk, and she asked, why do you oppress those women like that? Why do they got that thing on their head like this? Why do they dress like that? I said, well, why do you dress like that? She said, what are you talking about? I said, what I just told you. You're born naked, so why did you put any clothes on at all? She got really red-faced. She got mad. 
I said, I'm just asking you, why are you wearing what you're wearing? Because she's wearing long sleeves, long skirt, neck covered up there. I said, why are you dressed like that? She said, modesty. Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> That's the point. Only thing is, we're letting our God tell us what modesty is instead of making it up. That's all. That's all. We're following his orders. The second thing is, when they come and talk to you about jihad and people want to go out and suicide bomb themselves to get 40 naked women in the paradise or something like this, or 50 or 70, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's how they present it when they, when they ask their questions in these emails and all the rest of it. They don't say them that they are wives for you in the paradise. They don't say that. They come up with these garbage stories. One of them said a thousand. I don't know what Hadith they were looking at. But anyway, what is our reason for wanting to succeed in this life? It's for the next life. And what is it that's most precious to us in the next life? To see Allah. The one who created us in the first place. The one who gives us life. The one who's been caring for us all this time. The one who's been so patient, tolerating the things, the stupid things that we've been saying and doing. The Lord of the Alameen. The Rabbil Alameen. We want to see him. And the Prophet ﷺ said, you will see your Lord. And they said, will we have any difficulty seeing him? He said, do you have any difficulty seeing the moon on a clear night? Do you have any difficulty seeing the sun on a clear day? They said, no. He said, in the same way, you'll have no difficulty in seeing your Lord. And so that's the goal of every Muslim, every male, every female. We all want to be close to Allah. The natural fitra of the children is to be born in Islam. All children are born as Muslims, submitting to Allah. But it's their parents that raise them up as Jews and Christians and fire worshippers. And I was raising mine as Christians, because I was a Christian. But I pulled them out of the Christian school when I became a Muslim. It didn't take just a few weeks my kids were able to shift the words around, but I didn't know if they caught the meaning of what we were saying. They didn't say Jesus anymore, they said Allah. One of my daughters, a little small, is showing that she understood the object of what we were after, what we're here for, what we're working toward. Allah said in the Quran, I only created you guys to worship me alone without any partners. That's here, but what about there? My little daughter said, Daddy, I really love Allah. And she was talking about listening to the things that people say about how Allah created everything and He gave us life and He's patient with us and He's merciful. She said, she's almost crying. Little girl, she said, Daddy, I love Allah. I said, I know you do. She said, I really love Allah. I want to be with Allah. I want to be close to Allah. I want to sit in His lap. <laughs> Children don't know, but she understood the purpose why we're here. So we have a purpose to be here tonight, too. And I'm expecting all of you to excel in that purpose. A little later, we're going to try to put up a brand new presentation we have for Islam tomorrow. I worked on it through the night last night at the hotel in Indiana. I don't know how it's going to work on this while you're eating. We're going to try that.
I hope, inshallah, that you'll, you'll pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide all of us to do more as we have been doing enough. And there's always tomorrow for the Muslims. Always tomorrow. So we look forward to a better tomorrow. We're going to have to do a lot of work, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you a reward now and later, but the believers are going to see it. They're going to see it. But we're going to need a lot of patience and a lot of work. So make dua for this. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasan wa fil akhirati hasan wa kina dhabin nar. Ameen. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad kama salaita ala Ibrahim wa ala Ali Ibrahim in Alhamdulillah. Jazakum Allahu khairan wa assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.